Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 297 on Tuesday, the 7th of January, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And during a week where we wonder if Amazon Prime or Netflix will pick up a tiny car story, we'll be asking, are you reading all Gone headlines as though you're a movie trailer announcer too? We also wonder why Tesla fanatics feel so persecuted that they must even rail against news that's positive about Tesla. And we are very happy two of our friends went on a trip together. Oh. <laughs> but first, Alan has a special announcement. Yes, Happy New Year, everyone. That's the first part of the special announcement. Yes, welcome to 2020. Uh, it's good to have you along. The second part of the special announcement is to point out that this show is intentionally CES-free. Because every other outlet everywhere else in the world is covering all the electric, autonomous, shade-giving, flying taxi cities that you could possibly hope for and you're probably sick of it i know my inbox is mm. i've done i've done quite well by muting ces hashtag ces hashtag ces 2020 ces 2020 and all the permutations that most of it has not come through on my uh, on my twitter feed the few's made it through i don't i wonder any words aren't muted by you on your twitter feed but you can tell which ones are about to be muted because they're the ones that you go mad about and i just think all right anyway <laughs> do you want to get on with some follow-up yes there's a there's a smidgen of follow-up um tiny little story that took place while we were uh, off air uh that is the <laughs> Rather astounding, audacious move by Carlos Ghosn to not only leave his house arrest location, but the country and leg it off to Lebanon. Uh, this was in, oh, was it the 28th of December, apparently? He, uh, he, he absconded from his uh, protected location that was being monitored by security forces, allegedly monitored. <laughs> Right, we have loads and loads of links to this in, in, in the show notes because it is just the most ridiculous story ever. It really is. I mean, for example, the monitored was like they had to submit. Sure, he had to have a camera pointed at his front door and all the exits, but they only had to submit the files, the recordings once a week and stuff. So, you know, the day after you submitted it, then, then that's when you walk out because there's like six days before anyone's going to look at it and see what you were wearing when you left. And it's, it's just totally bat poo. I'm amazed at how many people have got the, in quotation, facts of this story so very quickly. It's, um, as I say, it's all very strange. Yes, indeed. it is very strange, and I and I can't wait to find out what the actual truth is about all of this at some point. Uh, we'll have links in the show notes to various stories, but essentially Carlos Ghosn left and is being attributed to the fact that he was informed that his case has now been delayed again, and this time to April 2021, which is... Not uncommon for the Japanese judicial system to do these things mm -hmm. because we're going to be very careful in how we phrase things to not drift near the line of, oh, us Westerners are better than anyone else, which seems to have crept into the press coverage again. It, it is. There is a certain amount of scepticism about the 99% conviction rate that this particular part of the Japanese legal system has. Yep. And possibly some of the ways that they go about 
achieving that. But yeah, it we've got to remember that that's the way the system is in Japan, and that's just that's just how it is. Yes, there have been a couple of of changes and 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 movements on the story today. So, uh, his wife Carol has had an arrest warrant issued for her in Japan. Yep, that's a little bit trickier than it actually is for Mister Gon because he's a national of many places, but he's multinationality, but he's Lebanese national as well. So it's quite easy for him to stay in Lebanon because there is no extradition treaty between Lebanon and Japan or the US or any of these places. However, she's an American citizen. That's a bit different. There have been some questions raised about that particular arrest warrant, given the fact that she has been uh, interviewed at great length and allowed to go free uh, a couple of months ago. But I don't know what the details are of the warrant. The other thing is that there will be a press conference tomorrow. Yes. Given by Mr. Goen, who's going to speak freely, inverted commas, not ours, after his escape. And there is, of course, much speculation about what he's he's going to say there and then. So that's something that's coming up tomorrow. That's tomorrow, Wednesday the 8th, so the day that this goes out. Uh, so again, we're covering this story, but it's all going to change again, uh, possibly before many of you have listened to this on your commute home tomorrow evening. Yep. There is one article I'd like to. Oh, to just raise, before you I just may. before you move on to that though, Nissan have announced today that they are still pursuing legal action against Carlos Ghosn, even though he's skipped the country. Mm-hmm. They made a statement on that today. So. Yes, they did. Thank you. That's the other one that was for today. There is one story which I thought was quite interesting, which came out again relatively quickly, but you know, as in within almost twenty-four hours. <laughs> well, there was nothing else for people to, to to cover between Christmas and New Year. So at that point, then of course everybody's just going. Vroom, there's one story we're all going to leap on it, which might have something to do with the speed of it. And it was quite interesting in that it could be viewed him doing a runner could be viewed as a sort of all-purpose face saver in that we let stuff go on it gets to this kind of stage there's a big hullabaloo about it but really in the background everyone's like oh that's good we'll mutter on about this for a few months we'll let it all go quiet and then you know what we don't have to try and convict him from here we can all let it all calm down and just then return to life as normal and sure he'll be stuck in lebanon uh, and we kind of hope he's going to stay in Lebanon because then we don't have to do anything about it. But yeah, it's it saves face and it's it's you know, it's all tucked neatly under a carpet. Yes, it'll depend on how hard Japan push this. I mean, they've done things that because we we have to remember that Gon was implicating the Japanese government in this as well, not just Nissan. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the face saving thing really is uh, quite a large uh, effect on this. Because it's incredibly embarrassing that he got away, particularly reading some of the alleged re- ways in which he'd managed it. So this doesn't look good on the Japanese security services. It doesn't look good on the Japanese government, etc. So they, they are going through the, the stages of, we are telling Interpol that he is a red, I think it's red ticket or something like that. Basically, he's, like that, he's yeah. a fugitive that we want. Thank you very much. So if you see him, you nab him and give him to us, please. Mm-hmm. So they they are going through the motions, uh, certainly, but it'll be interesting to see how hard they push it because they can only do so much because there is no extradition treaty between Lebanon and Japan. Yeah. But that is enough of that follow-up. We do yes, have a smidgen is. more follow-up, though, and it's Volkswagen 
and Dieselgate. And the news came out over the uh, festive period, Merry Christmas, Volkswagen, that Australia, <laughs> this consumer watchdog, has uh, slapped a record fine on VW before um, breaches of the Australian consumer law. So they have been forced, or they are going to be forced to pay $125 million Australian dollars, which is about £66 million. They are also investigating Volkswagen's consumer loans as well, which is not to do with uh, Dieselgate, um, obviously, uh, but this is about how they didn't do the proper financial checks before giving people car finance. So mm-hmm. that's, that's another thing they've got to worry about. That's something slightly different, though. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But not only is it New Year, but it is the start of the month, Alan. It is the start of the month. It's the end of the year, the, the start of the month. Uh, and, of course, that means that we have the SMMT registration figures, not just for December, but for the whole of 2019. He says, trying to make sure he says the correct year. So, 2019, there were 2,311,140 uh, cars registered here in the UK, which is a drop of 2.4% compared to 2018. There's been a big shift in the types of vehicles that have been being registered, uh, as always. So diesel is down 19%. Uh, battery electric vehicles are up 220% petrol up 2.6% but then there's been a whole load of changes in the 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 split because of the way that they now split out all the different hybrids of mild or or plug-in and yep. otherwise so I'm not going to go into that too far uh, I've actually just read the wrong figures again haven't I no that is the percentage sh- they were the percentage change mm-hmm. not the market share though that was a percentage change. Yes, so that was a okay. percentage change. Not, that was intentionally not market share. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Market share, diesels twenty was 25%. Uh, I'm just no. making sure I'm reading the right one here. No. No, it's not. No, that's right. I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah. It's 2019 no, market that's, that's share, 25.2%. That's my fault. Yes, 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 yes. The, there are a whole load of tables that all look the same and are formatted the same. You're just going to make sure you've read the right title. Uh, petrol, 64%. Battery electric vehicles are 1.6% of the market, with hybrids, 4.2%. Plug-in hybrids, 1.5%. Private fleet and business. As uh, the usual kind of split, business is down significantly, private's down a bit, and fleet has held about steady. What you want to know really are the best sellers. So the best sellers in December were, and I'll do the 10 up the way, they were starting with the Vauxhall Grandland X with 2,566 units registered. Number nine is Other. Other is one model of one car to which we can only assume it is the Tesla Model 3. Yes. Uh, 2,685, partly because there were a couple of boats came in there. I'll come back to that number in a little bit. Eighth, Volkswagen Polo, 2,715. Seventh is, is the A-Class. Sixth is the Focus. Fifth was the 3 Series. Fourth mm. was the Ford Cougar with 3,640, so less, so a smidgen over a 1,000 uh, between 10th and 4th there. That's that's just how spread out it is. The Mini came in at 3,985. And 3rd, 2nd was the Ford Fiesta mm. with 4,168. And 1st was the Volkswagen Golf with 4,585 units registered. I wondered about the Golf 
and I thought, you know what, that Golf Mark 7 is end of life. And I went off just a little bit before we started, because I had some time before we started recording tonight, whilst you were clubbing your kids to sleep or whatever. And I looked at what the, the finance offers were on golfs at the minute. There's this really weird setup where there's a whole bunch of special editions. It's a whole bunch of run-out special editions. And what's funny is that whenever you end up on the PCP part of it, the special editions have all sorts of lovely stuff like, you know, privacy rear glass and heated seats and all sorts of nice stuff. But there's also the Golf S, which is a 1.6 litre diesel, putting up 115 PS, if I remember correctly, and is, well, basically the upholstery, the upholstery is, is pretty much listed as hair shirt. You know, that's the <laughs> level of spec we're going to here. <laughs> And the ridiculous thing is if you go for any of these editions, because they've got all this other gear, if you whenever you go end up in the finance in the finance section, then they actually cost something like fifty to sixty pounds a month less over whatever the standard is, uh forty eight months and ten thousand miles a year. They actually end up costing fifty to sixty pounds a month less than the most basic model. So obviously everyone's rushing to get all these fantastic excellent deal of end of line golf so if you are looking for a decent c set to c segment vehicle and you're not really interested in being hugely interesting or anything you just want a volkswagen then for goodness sakes go go run and buy yourself a golf on (laughs) on pcp because the deals are really excellent you're you're talking like 270 quid a month for a car with all the kit that you could reasonably require uh at all if, if you are looking for looking for that and that includes you know even with metallic paint and stuff crikey look at us starting starting the year off with consumerism i know it is good consumer guidance there not something we normally do year today it's all the usual suspects i mean let's do just do the top top three so in at three is the ford focus with fifty six thousand six hundred nineteen. at number two is the golf at fifty eight thousand nine hundred ninety four registered and at number one is a ford fiesta with 77,833 registered. It was never in doubt after January last year, was it? <laughs> no. Quite incredible. Quite incredible for the Fiesta there. So we'll see what happens. I don't know why, why there are fewer being registered right at the minute. I, I didn't actually go as far as... Looking to see what deals there were on your Fiesta right at the minute. Mm-hmm. Spreadsheet of Doom is still a thing. It is. This, is, this has been... A- it's a matter of contention here. The spreadsheet of doom is 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 a thing. So uh, I'll quickly run through the dooms, and you can bring us back up, up into the uh, the positives, Alan. So mm-hmm. our bath down sixty three percent. Alfa Romeo down nearly twenty two percent. Infinity down apparently not percent, but that's wrong. This is year on year. It's an infin- It's down an infinite percentage, actually, isn't it? Yes, because it's zero. <laughs> uh, Jaguar down. Uh, 19 and a half percent and then we have lotus or oh, shocking 50 percent down so last year there was six cars this year, december 2019 three maserati equally similar nearly 50 percent uh drop but they're not huge numbers mercedes-benz down just over 15 percent. now that is quite a bit of a drop though because that's 11,365 down to 9,623 
Mini down 15%. Mitsubishi, God, they have peaks and troughs, don't they? Uh, they're down 54%. I think it depends when boat when boatloads of cars come in, to be honest. That's yeah. what I've decided with that. It's actually to do with supply. Oh, okay. Because that's the only way it can be, yeah. really. Smarter down 90%. Not surprised there. Sanyong down 35%. Vauxhall, bad month for Vauxhall, down nearly 51%. So that's... In 2018, uh, 12,645. In December 2019, 6,212. So that's a ouch. Sorry. So market share, which is equally depressing news if you're a Vauxhall fan. 2018 is 8.78. And in 2019, 4.17. Ouch. Yeah. Mm. So cheer us up, Alan. Cheer us up with some good numbers. Well, good numbers. I'll start at the top then. Alpine are up 80%, but that's uh, that's arrived from five to nine vehicles registered. <laughs> uh, Audi up 37%, Bentley up 130 I would make a joke about the boat coming in there, but there's not much, many boats come from Derby. BMW up 21%, Citroen up 44%, Dacia up 24%, DS up 265.41%. Kia up 30, Lexus up 77, Mazda up 15, MG up 161. Those uh new EV MGs and the GS is it? Do seem to be becoming quite popular. I'm seeing more of them around actually. So have I. So have I. Lots lots more. Peugeot up 20, Porsche up 43, Renault up 32, Seat up 31. Or oh, 32 even. Uh, Subaru up 266.84%. Again, I think this isn't a supply uh, issue. That and the fact that the new hybrids are coming online. Yes. And that's up from 193 to 708. Yeah. So that is significant and pr- some proper numbers in there, which is good because there have been a couple of pretty crappy months for Subaru, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suzuki up 28. Toyota up 61%. Yep. Other British is up 110%. And last but not least, other imports. Other imports is up 517.85%. And winner of the most ridiculous percentage. Yes, but hang on just a second here, because again, I was looking at some of these numbers, and I know that other imports is 2,873. Now, the other that was in the top 10 was noted by SMMT as being all one model. Yes. One model of one brand. They clarified that to me. They did clarify that. I saw that. And that was 2,685. Mm-hmm. So that all one model, let's be honest, it's the Tesla Model 3. So if you take 2,685 away from 2,873, you're left with 188. 188 incorporates all the Rolls-Royce, the Aston Martin, all everything, including the Tesla Model S and the Tesla Model X. No, other British. Other British. Oh, other British. Oh, damn. Other British would cover those, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's the 346. So anyway, maximum number of any other Teslas that are sold is 188. Registered is 188 last month, to just put that into perspective. So nobody's registering an S or an X, really. No. 
Ah, I thought I was onto a good one there, but I'd forgotten they split out other British and other imports. That serves me right for being a smarty pants, doesn't it? Uh, if you want more details on all this sort of stuff, I will include a link to Tristan Young uh, has done a Twitter thread to put some more meat on the bones of some of the particular manufacturers and stuff like that. So that's uh, if you're interested in this sort of thing, it's well worth clicking through on the link in the show notes to that. Also turns out he hasn't been to the Greg's drive through yet. Yes. That was the other thing I learned from that thread. <laughs> yes, there is that. Right, moving on. Uh, and this is the news that the... <sighs> dear Nissan, gosh, they are still a mess. You'd think they'd have some, some time of calmness and sort of regathering themselves to go into battle afresh and all the rest of it. But no, there is the vice chief... Operating Officer Jung Seikai. Seikai? Seikai? I don't know. You were doing so well. I was just... Jung Seikai, I think it is. And if it isn't, I do apologise to everybody who can speak that language. Uh, That he was going to be in charge of performance recovery. Unfortunately, he's not now going to do that because he has left. (laughs) He was one of the people who put themselves forward to get the CEO role and was passed over. There are reports in this article on Jalopnik uh, talking about how that there are, and this is referencing something from Reuters, there are cons- uh, that there are references to some chemistry issues among the new leadership team. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's diplomatic. Yeah, and it's not like Nissan knows anything about that. <laughs> Yeah, well, quite. (laughs) So uh, they've now got to find somebody else who's going to come in and make sure that they can improve their performance. Well, hope that happens uh, pretty soon uh, for their sakes, because they really need an end of some of the sort of uncertainty that's going on around them there. Anyway, enough Nissan for for this week. Now for something a little bit closer to home, uh, which is EV charging, a hot topic for many of us and one that we keep an eye on Uh, and it's an interesting story from the ft because it's saying that not they're saying that the operators of motorway services are saying that the britain's electricity network is not fit for purpose and that's what's holding up the rollout of ev chargers along the uk's key trunk roads which is curious because we know that here in the uk that the way that the motorway services the motorway ev network has been provisioned is that most of it has gone to one organization but i noticed as part of this that there is a comment from pp charge master which is which is not trying to install uh charging units at the services themselves but rather at at some bp filling stations along the motorway network yep so it's a slightly different change of site, although it might all go under the name, the same services name. It's two different sites on the one place. Uh, and they're saying that they're having same problems with connectivity issues. Uh, and it's just trying to actually get that much ele- extra electricity on site at some of the motorway services. Uh, and if you think about it, there's actually quite a lot of sense in this because... Um, because some motorway services are really quite far away from towns and cities and yeah. and, and habitation. Uh, so in actual fact, trying to then add an extra, not just an extra couple of 13 amp sockets, but another <laughs> couple of 150 kilowatt, you know, uh, ultra rapid 
or whatever the correct term for that, uh, ultra-rapid charges on a site is is pretty serious. That's a serious amount of energy to need to add on. Uh, and the problem they're having is, is simply one of, is the grid, has the grid at that point got enough capacity in it? You know, are the cables big enough, basically? Is there a big enough pipe of electricity to, to services? So stuff like, so places like, um, oh, uh, Leicester Fortin, for example, uh, is is really quite far away. Not Leicester. Fortin services, anyway, uh, is really quite far away from from just about anywhere, uh, and it needs it needs help with that. With that, not to mention T Bay or any of these places. Yeah, Lancaster Fortin services. I'm so sorry, complete total brain fart on my part there. It's not saying that we can't generate the electricity. It's just saying we can't get the electricity to the place it needs to be. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot of electricity that's being requested, really. Yes. Yes, it is. Right. I'm going to move us on to cities that want to ban cars. And let's start off the new year as we finish the old year. <laughs> yeah, well, basically. <laughs> and this is the news that York City Council have announced that they plan to ban private cars from the centre of York from 2023 because of air pollution. Uh, this is a council that's jointly run by the Lib Dems and the Greens, and they also are aiming to make the city carbon neutral by 2030. So this was originally proposed by a Labour councillor, so it seems like everybody is getting on board with this one. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't realise, why would I, but I didn't realise that York had such a bad problem of air quality. Yeah, it's one of the one of the fifth, five worst in the in the UK. I just didn't realise that. Hmm. So, uh, um, I I would presume. I mean, I know having stayed in York, they do seem to have a fairly decent-ish cycling uh, network, and there were plenty of people cycling when I was there. And this was in October. <laughs> well, one of the th- there's a couple of things which are in here, which which make this sound feasible and reasonable actually uh, and one is that there is that they have said you know this is actually quite a big ask and that this is quite significant and that they understand that people are probably a bit anxious about it mm. but one of the things they've pointed out is they've said look if we can remove the non-essential car journeys here uh, and we can improve the range and attractiveness of alternative travel options, quote unquote, then this will work because it's a relatively small area. You know, it's all it's 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 walled in. It's actually they've got quite a nice demarcation zone compared to other cities. Uh, and they're saying if we take if we have fewer cars, then we have more space for all the other things. So that should mean that the buses are quicker and more efficient. It should mean there's more space for cycling. There's better walking for tourists, uh, and and saying that if we do this right, then it should, uh, then, then it should be possible. And I like that they've actually given themselves some time to get it right as well. They're not saying, well, we're going to be doing this from March. Yeah, and they they are acknowledging what really encourages me is they're acknowledging the 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 fact that people are or will struggle with the change 
and but they're said but they're trying to explain how by doing this one part of the transportation removing that one part in this small area how it improves everywhere else and i, I quite like that they've mm-hmm. clearly thought about it because how many times have we talked yeah. about similar sort of ideas and our worry is they they have not thought about it that's what we've always come back to and they appear to yeah. have thought about it and thought about how people will react to it as well, which is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Which contrasts with the announcement from Oxford as well, that drivers of most cars will have to pay £10 a day to drive in the centre of Oxford. Now, Oxford is a ruddy, awful place to get to and go anyway, to be perfect, in my opinion. That's my personal opinion and not the opinion of the Motoring Podcast. Uh, but they're going to start from later this year. They're going to start charging that ten pounds a day, uh, unless your your vehicle is zero emissions uh, or emit less than fifty grams of carbon dioxide per kilometer, or you've got a blue badge. Or and it's it's one of these ones where where you know Oxford have basically built a shopping centre which you need to get to by car in the middle of the city and now they're charging people to get into the middle of the city and it's just oh, i don't know it just seems the complete antithesis of the york one yeah and and again it is it, what it looks like again is the whole just charge the car thing not come up with any suggestions or try and alleviate the worry or perhaps encourage people to not travel at all which we never see, which I keep banging on about, and I, I, I am getting very bored of not seeing any suggestions. It's all to deal with that problem there in front. It's never thinking, but if we removed the problem completely, or what causes the problem, then that would help. Oxford does have quite, if I remember rightly, and I can never get, this is going to be something that I'm probably going to be made fun of for this, but I can never remember the, which one is which one has which set up between Oxford and Cambridge? Uh, is that I know Cambridge has a good park and ride. I think Oxford does as well. Okay, but there is a there is a, a park and ride scheme there, but uh, it's very much coloured. My opinion on this is very much coloured by the fact that I have never had a pleasant tra- I have never had a pleasant experience with going anywhere near Oxford. It's just. There is never a good reason for me to go to Oxford, and any time I have had to go to Oxford, it has been a traffic nightmare, and there's been no altern- no public transport alternatives that I could use mm. uh, for the purposes of my trip. So I- I'm probably being incredibly jaded and horrible and really shouldn't be. Well, there's, uh, the, there's an informal pump, uh, public consultation on the plans for this red zone, as they're calling it, uh, which runs until Friday the 31st of January. And then the proposals will go on to a formal consultation in March. Uh, following that, they expect to have a formal decision on implementation uh, later in the spring, which means the scheme allegedly could come into effect as early as December 2020. So if you uh, have to go into Oxford or are an Oxford resident, get on the... Uh, consultations and find out exactly what's going on and whether you agree with it or not. Yep. Brings us to guilt minute. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it guilt minute or is it still survey guilt minute? It's survey guilt minute. We're sticking with survey guilt minute at the mm-hmm. minute. So yes, the 2019 stroke 2020 listener survey uh, is still active and please, we still ask 
really nicely that you give up uh, 10 minutes of your time for us uh, to quickly fill that in. It is completely and utterly confidential. We can't see any correlation between any of the answers and definitely don't know who's been filling them in. Uh, it's being run for us by PodTrack. Yes. By PodTrack, which is the uh, which is the metrics the metric system we use. And it's a great way to give us feedback on what we do well and what we don't do very well at all. If there are any questions that you're uncomfortable answering, then do please skip them and move on to the next one. There is no obligation to fill in any of them. But the more demographic stuff we have, the nicer it looks to car people whenever we show them to them and go, look, these are our listeners. Please let us do awesome new stuff with you. So that's where the bigger draw is for the the survey. There's, there's two streams for it. One of which is to find out what you guys like that we're doing, what you don't like that you're doing. And here's a hint: for every person that says they don't like something, there is always someone else who says they do like it. <laughs> but tell us anyway. Yes. <sighs> Uh, the other thing that I'm going to remind you about is not just our patron, which lets you donate a set however much you want per month to help us with the running costs of the podcast, but also we have our sweet, sweet merch. So if you go to motoringpodcast.com slash sweet merch, or just click on motoringpodcast.com and click on the shop button, uh, then it will give you a link to our Teespring shop where you can join all the other awesome people who have been buying mugs and t-shirts and stuff. Says, including people in america that's even better i know because they've let me know cool if you're in america then it actually is fulfilled from america whereas if it's in the uk if you do it from the eu then it's fulfilled from within the eu mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons it's teespring and not anything else by the way yeah is because it was it doesn't just fulfill from the us which means that all the um Oh, a lot of research went into it. Just, just believe me when I tell you, <laughs> yes. it's the best compromise of the lot. All right, we, we've talked about a, uh, a merchandise for ages, and trying to find something that would inconvenience people the least was the hardest thing for us to do. Ridiculous, and that included inconveniencing. Well, no, inconveniencing us meant that stuff took longer to get to you, hence it's externally fulfilled. Yeah. But if you could do that, that would be brilliant. And the stuff is really good quality. I'm dead chuffed with these mugs. Um, they are very good. Um, they're just nice. Andrew will get his at some point. His one's sitting on my kitchen table. <laughs> Sorry, mate. That's okay. Anyway, motorsport. WRC news. And the news that Lappy has moved to the M Sport Ford team following uh, Citroen's withdrawal from WRC. Uh, he's joining Timu Sunanen and Gus Greensmith, who are staying with M Sport, following the news that Evans has left. So this is uh, great news for Lappy because uh, he looked fairly useful, even though it was only in the Citroen. That was quite poor. <laughs> Only in a Citroen is there some bad words there, yes. Yes. Later in the month, the Rally Monte Carlo kicks off the 2020 season, so we'll see how they get on. There. Looking forward to that. Uh, but there was a bit of news that came out way back in November, the back end of November, which I think I didn't add to the show, but uh, Rally Chile has been um, cancelled for 2020 because mm-hmm. of the civil unrest. I know we covered all this stuff with Formula E and how San Diego was being monitored. Yes. But I, I think I missed this one, so apologies for that. So uh, 
the 2020 Rally Chile has been cancelled, but I have seen rumours that there is another South American country looking to try and uh, put on the uh, put on the rally at the same time uh, mm-hmm. in there, but that that hasn't got any further yet. There's no announcement on that at all. No, we'll see. We'll follow it when they come up because they're, they're likely to to want to have the same number of uh, of uh, rallies in the championship as usual. Yeah, and preferably in the same continent as well. Yes, well, that helps as well. You've got to spread it about a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, lunchtime read is a combined read and watch this week and we just wanted to tell you all about the story on car and classic uh which sees uh, to be honest we're, we're pimping the work of friends here uh which sees chris <laughs> pollitt and rich scott uh take rich's volvo 240 to go collect a set of rear window louvers that rich had bought in gothenburg there's a summary and a write-up of it on the car and classic website uh, and as well as that, there is as part of that, you'll see that there is there is a, a video, a YouTube video embedded there. Do do both. It's a really good video. The, the video is fun. It, it really actually works properly for both of them. Uh, and there's a good opportunity to see some Volvos. Uh, how boring much of Europe is uh, <laughs> when you're driving. And Krista Alderby's uh, red trainers as well make a... a a very visible yes, splash in, in both. So <laughs> so no, it's 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 go for it. Do have a have a read of that. Link to link to the article on Car and Classic uh, will be in the show notes. Uh, and of course if you follow Car and Classic on YouTube you'll already you'll already see it there in your subscription section of, of YouTube. Um but do have have a read and a watch because uh, it's really good. Yep, there's no list of the week this week. It's obviously too early in the year for anybody to come up with a list of the week. However, over the festive period, you may have missed this, Our and finally is the Evo Car of the Year 2019. And this is back to the more traditional Evo Car of the Year videos that we have come to expect stroke love. Last year's one, 2018 one, wasn't uh, in that same style, but they, they've reverted slightly back this time and it's gloriously shot and mm. awesomely done and you know, we have to we, we do need to watch it everybody because it makes no money for evo this it is just a, a sunk cost for them because making video is expensive and hard particularly when they're doing it with five or six cars in a location abroad and all the rest of it but it's it's just a wonderful video it's nearly 19 minutes, so or 19 and a half minutes, so go and watch it and enjoy. Awesome. Do. Please go and do that. Parish Notes. If you haven't listened to the Motoring Podcast yet, and many of you have, so thank you, and many of you have said really nice things about it, where basically two motoring journalists, three PRs, Andrew and I, walk into a pub, yes. have a nice meal, and then record a, po- a podcast. <laughs> And just talk about what happened in 2019, uh, what we thought about it, and what everybody's expecting in 2020. I listened back to it, and I enjoyed it just as much listening back as I did whenever I was was there and we were recording it, because it was great fun to record. Uh, Our guests were stonking. They were. And just just the opinions shared, and the way they're shared, and the debate. And it, it reminded me just what a hard time we got of it. 
It's not like normal where we can sit here and agree with each other. We had other people <laughs> going, no, that's not good enough. Uh, so if you do want to hear us get a certain amount of, of grief and be really asked live to explain our opinions, do have a listen. <laughs> and as I say, it was great. It was fantastic fun. Thank you so much for, to Toyota and to Honda for supporting doing it and to 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 everyone for for coming along and giving up their, their friday evening and the saturday morning because it was into saturday morning when we were recording yes. um for it it was it was fab fun the outcome i think is is great right. some of you might listen nobody's actually said anything about it but we've got our, our own our normal little uh, little uh little list of, of lessons learned from it for the first time we've, we've done something like this but it's still a great lesson go go please enjoy it uh, we we know we did. Uh, we want to do it again next year. Yep. Other thing, nothing to do with us really. Uh, Matteo Licata at Roadster Life has released his uh, new book on the Alpha Honor. It's available on Amazon. It's just come out. If I were part of the thing, we'd put in an affiliate link, but we don't really care. So go. Uh, so do please, please go and have a look. And if you are interested in Alpha Badge Nissans, then this is the <laughs> definitive work. He is playing. I know for a fact he has put so much effort into getting the right information, doing a ton of research into this. So, this is properly researched. This is not just something that's been slapped together. He has thoroughly researched this. He has gone back into archives of Alfa Romeo and all the yeah. rest of it. So, so it's it's the proper thing. It is, it is the, it will be the definitive book yeah. on it, on a much maligned car. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I've just dismissed it in the same way that everybody else does. But it's a much maligned vehicle, uh, and this will be the work all about it. And go and take a look at his other books, too, on the Julia and others. And, of course, his his videos. I feel, why are we pimping Matteo so much? Oh, it's because he's a nice guy, isn't it? Yes. We do that to our friends. We do that. It's it's a terrible affliction. <laughs> Which just about rounds us up for this this week. I think we've just about warmed ourselves up, and hopefully next week's yeah we'll be fine. We'll be, next week. we'll be back to our, we'll be back to our normal <laughs> slick selves next week. Uh, but don't between don't forget that between now and then you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, please don't forget about our Patreon. Uh, uh, or any of the other ways that you can support us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review or ratings on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Andrew, people want to get in touch. What's the best way? Best way to do that is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Wintering, you can find me there. Now, Alan, if people want to get in touch with you and say, well, not bad for a first time out for a couple of weeks, and we've got our fingers crossed for next week. What's the best way for them to do that? <laughs> Twitter. As ever, where I'm at, AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. As I say, we'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.